0: Welcome to Cross of Gold, the podcast where two brothers, one a Christian in the political wilderness, and the other a socialist in the spiritual wilderness, work to rediscover faith in each other, our communities, and the American experiment. We have begged and they have walked when our calamity came. We begged no longer. We defy them. You shall not press down upon the proud labor, this crown of thorns hello everybody we are back again this time
1: just chase and I uh, chase how you doing today well not just you and me I've got a uh, Cato Duke on my lap so that's if you maybe chiming in now and then so uh, listen for that but. if you hear some adorable baby sounds in the background that's um, you, you Check out my wife's Instagram. That's how that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's cool. In fact, it's, uh, we're training up character right now. And so patience and conversation is uh, a virtue. Yeah. How yeah,
0: are you doing looked... Cyrus long night on shift? Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, didn't get, didn't get home till till a little bit after midnight or so last night, but that's okay. Get up early, get a little uh, recording session with my, my brother and my nephew and, uh, head back to work. But in the meantime, uh, happy to be here.
1: Yeah, you know what, if you miss church this Sunday, this uh, isn't going to be necessarily a stand-in, but um, but uh, a, a partial substitution and maybe even an, an add-on for those that did catch. We're really trying to get into the book of Ecclesiastes, um, which is one that I think is not well understood. I've misunderstood it and misquoted it even in these like recordings that we've had. Um, Cyrus, you maybe a little hesitation before you dove into this one with me. Um, initial impressions, like how'd you, how'd you, how'd you listen to this or read it or what'd you do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I always have a little bit of skepticism towards scripture in general, just cause you know, I think I have an attitude of like, well, I've seen that before. Um, uh, but it's always good to look at things through new eyes and, uh, you know, for, for this, when we started talking about it, uh, my first read through of it was really just a listen through as I sort of laid on my roof uh just just kind of chilling in the sun um uh, enjoying enjoying uh, nature's offerings and i uh-huh. found it very uh very enjoyable uh to be oh. frank um, yeah it was you know it was nice you know of course i was in the perfect state of mind to receive that sort of thing um but it was it was like poetry i think in a lot of ways and so it was just pleasant to listen to um but also i found that it it uh, hit a lot of the notes of certain things I already believe. And, and it was almost, almost a sort of proto existentialist text, you know, precursor to a lot of the, the philosophers I, I was into in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, sorry, uh, you know, go ahead. A lot of
1: philosophers. So like, yeah, is there any, uh, cause I can give some context to, to the book and some things, but yeah, what, just keep riffing. What, what was it connecting with you? Other previous thoughts, themes that in your life that stood out that are important or maybe even ones
0: that it challenged? Well, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit in here uh, where, it, or I think the word that gets used probably more than any other in this chapter is meaningless. Um, which, I mean, that's existentialism. That's, that's the the watchword of, of the whole philosophy in a lot of ways is, is what is meaning? Where can it be found? Can it be found? All of that. Uh, now, you and I have talked about that you, you think that's a little bit of a mistranslation based on some of the stuff you've heard and that it's uh, a more accurate term uh, in this text would be smoke rather than meaningless. Is that right? Yeah, or vapor. Right. And so uh, happy to join to, to And so,
1: OK, so purpose of our conversation today is, guys, is um, Cyrus is committed to go through some books of the Bible. I've asked for Ecclesiastes and each one of the Gospels. An exchange. I'm going to have to do redo some marks and some Lenin, some other uh, type of uh, literature, but I, I thought Ecclesiastes would strike your interest because yeah, it does strike me as either manic depressive, or as you said, like, you know, postmodern existential. And previously I thought it was Solomon. Uh, technically Solomon never says he wrote this. And so it could be Solomon. It could be one of David's descendants um, who was King in Jerusalem, or it could be an author who's, posing as Solomon many years in the future and really like writing from like a Solomon persona, right? Like as someone who has accomplished everything in life and is now reflecting at their end of their days. Um, I am and split between whether it's the first or the third Solomon or somebody else. Uh, I think this book Ecclesiastes fits into a bit of a larger context of wisdom literature in the Bible, which is thought to be, proverbs ecclesiastes and job and that's really interesting because proverbs if i had to give a persona is uh, him or her like in her mind yeah uh, she's in her culture. if proverbs was a person <laughs> she's in her young 30s just graduated from harvard you know at an investment bank or a consulting firm about to have kids and she has basically towed the party line she studied hard got into where she wanted to be and you know what fear god keep his commandments and life will work out for you. And she believes it and believes other people
0: should too, right? Like that is proverbs. Cheryl Sandberg Lean in. Lean Got in, it. baby. Uh,
1: Ecclesiastes <laughs> is your middle-aged cynic who's taken a couple companies public. He's been CFO, CEO. He has done whatever he's wanted in many different penthouses in the, you know, metropolitan areas of multiple continents. He's lost some fortunes. He's now on a little bit more on the lost his fortune, but he's got enough in in annuity to like, he's, he's going to eat his bread until he dies. Right. He's good. Um, And he's looking at it after having been burned a couple of times and going, okay, he's had a life enough life experience to know that isn't always true. Young woman who's, you know, crushing it in her young thirties. And so, and then the final one is Job, which we won't necessarily wrap our arms around now because that's just a, you know, a personal story that teaches a lot of other things. So, so we're here to f- talk about Ecclesiastes, and I think that's sort of the context. And worth saying, Cyrus, what you mentioned, yeah, whether your translation out there is meaningless or futile or vanity, the Hebrew word is hevel, H-E-V-E-L, which is literally translated as vapor or smoke, um, and so he says it like 38, 40 times. Everything is Hevel. Hmm. And maybe the other little factoid about this book is that um, there are two voices going on. The majority of the book is the teacher from, you know, like the first chapter, the begin, a little a couple verses in to almost the end of the 12th chapter. The teacher is talking. That's our middle-aged cynic. Yeah. Then you have the author who was also sort of like bookending the very beginning and the very end with his conclusions. So um, leave it there. And, that, and that's what I'm thinking. So,
0: yeah. And in a lot of ways, you know, when I was first listening to it, it almost reminded me of like me when I was, you know, 17 through 21, that whole phase of uh, you know, like the Holden Caulfield, like everyone's a phony, uh, you know, yeah. like everything's smoke. None of this is worth my, my damn time uh you know that that was a little bit of the impression i get i know the author's going for something a little bit different than that uh but that was sort of the right off the bat what i was thinking um but well, there are a lot sat- of other reasons why go well, ahead but
1: that point though it satisfies satiates the sort of inward cynic if you've been burned or you're in a place of being burned or whatever you're like
0: yeah like yeah. It's always you know what i mean like that is bull crap. yeah <laughs> yeah so,
1: I, I kind of like that, that it's it's the Bible's not missing out on like, no, you might not get picked for the team. Or when you do, the whole team could coup you and like you're left out after being just totally burned.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. And and I think, you know, it also plays into a couple other uh, things that that really, you know, grab my attention um, and always make me be like, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one is criticism of the rich, uh, oh. not necessarily of the ri- yeah yeah it is criticism of the rich but especially those who seek wealth and seek uh, hoard it yeah
1: I, I would definitely say the hoarding and, and the seeking of riches are a verse that like that, that jumps out at you because i again i don't think because it even addresses folks who are rich um i think in here and uh, throughout other times but people who certainly hoard and want to be rich it has um warning and condemnation for
0: i would say yeah, it's you not know sin to be rich There there were quite a few verses and quite a few times you brought it up. Well, one that stuck out to me was uh, chapter five, uh, starts verse eight. Oh, chapter five. One of my favorites of the book. Probably the favorite. I think, yeah, I think the title of the chapter itself is uh, riches are meaningless or something along those lines. But that's sort of the thrust of it. It says, if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The, sweet of the, uh, the, sweet, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. Uh, so, you know, it goes on and, and I could, I could keep reading, but that's, yeah. That's so that, like, general... that kind of like strokes the dark side of you and you're like, yeah, that, yeah, it hits it hits a lot of different notes for me, you know, it's and and it, there's a little bit of a hint in it, too, of, of what probably the third thing that I enjoyed the most was, you know, talking about the sleep of a little labor is sweet, whether they eat little or much. Uh, but this idea of of toiling and the, futi- the futility of toil um, and in some cases, almost an advocation for like, you know, hey, you can chill. Like, be a little lazy, you know, not necessarily lazy, but like, don't be uh, focused on work. I well, it, it does say in the teacher's reasoning
1: back and forth, right? And it feels like he's up and he's down and he's left and he's right. But to that point, he says better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort in a pursuit of the wind.
0: Um, yeah, and it's so, all about what are you actually toiling for, um, I think, which do you, do you remember this conversation that we had? Um, I think it was my senior year of high school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for college or just what I wanted to do generally in my life. And we were talking about West Point, which you were going to at the time and I had applied to and was accepted and I was debating whether or not I wanted to go. Uh, and I think I told you, I was like, man, you know, just as I look out in the forecast, if I go down this path, I just feel like I've worked pretty hard to get me accepted into this place. And then, you know, which is not something I enjoyed doing. And then I feel like once I get there, I'm just going to be working and suffering and toiling basically until I graduate. So that I can move on to that next step. But that next step is just more work. And I was like, I guess I just don't see the point of it. And I don't totally remember what your response was. Obviously it was something that was, you know, uh, enabled, that I, you know, ended up convincing me in some de- to some degree to go to West Point, but uh, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Is just I, that I, general I, idea of like you're just working to work more. What's the point exactly? I,
1: I think I do remember that conversation. Appreciate it. Um, I think I know what my answer was, and maybe now how I would have changed it. But I think my answer was something like, "Hey, yeah, but." Don't get entitled in that this is a like we're making a generational play. Like, mom and dad gave sacrifices to give us these opportunities so that we can create opportunities. Like, because like we don't have the we don't have the luxury of like just doing what we want because that's our you know, gonna like I I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder in the sense of like we can't just choose what we want to do and you know, because we don't have that kind of wealth. Like we've got to freaking right. figure it out. Like, like when just we like, have
0: kids, if we have kids they there, our name is not going to get them anything.
1: Well, right. I think I use the at like John Adams quote something of the, like I'll paraphrase it, but like I study politics and war. So my sons can study mathematics and sciences. So his sons can study like arts and tapestries and, you know,
0: I think it's like politics and literature or no, uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't you know, see what I'm but, saying? Yeah, and I'm like,
1: we are part of that generation and for us to miss it is to not take hold of the sacrifices given to us and not provide like life's not about us in a sense like right. we're part of this we're, we're in a phase kind of like what um ecclesiastes says in chapter three like there's a time and season for everything under the sun and if just doing whatever the heck we want never comes to us well then that's that wasn't our lot um you know and that, that, so that's a Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I think that's a good transition because obviously I feel like Ecclesiastes chapter three is probably the most quoted um, or the most well-known. It's... uh,
1: To that, man, because, man, this gets into some of the deepest conversations you and me and dad have had about, you know, your time and decisions and and, and stuff. And while I believe that um, is true, I also now think that, like, there are many different, man, I don't know, Cyrus. I, I
0: think, I, th- I think we just had like both of us mm-hmm. had a certain naivete about like what that means. You know, like when I was planning on going to college, I didn't really know even why, except that it was something that I felt like I was supposed to do um, because, you know, it's just part of our culture. And if you want to be successful in this country, like you have to have a degree or be a movie star or something or a sport or an athlete. And I, th- those two were probably precluded to me early on. Um, so I, uh, well, you're handsome, hey, but
1: you know, it's not a triple threat. <laughs>
0: I'm Yeah. I wouldn't call myself classically good. looking um, But that said, <laughs> you know, that was, I just remember being like, well, where else, how else am I going to get, from here to there um you know and i think that was a sense that was you know lack of creativity or imagination on my part in a lot of ways but also this idea that there are just certain tracks set before you and you know if, if you come from a certain place or a certain type uh subsect of society like to get to that next level to that level where your children can then you know become djs or whatever uh, <laughs> then you need nothing wrong to, with being
1: a dj you know even though you know hey whatever nothing that's wrong
0: your, with being a dj yeah i mean hey i'm trying to build my vinyl collection you know maybe i'll be or a clown it a yeah it's i mean your yeah. next party um but you know that that uh, ecclesiastes chapter three parts um a time to be born and a time to die uh, a time to plant time to uproot you know where, where it's a, it has that dichotomy of sometimes this is right and sometimes this is right I guess I was struck by it because what it made me think of was that it's one of the few passages I've ever read in the Bible that I can think of where it sort of alludes to the idea that, yeah, there might be a truth. There might be certain truths out there that are, are true, but like, you don't really know what they are. Um, and even in that, like some things are true for certain situations and sometimes things are true for other situations. Like the truth, or what's appropriate what's right in a situation is fluid uh that's that sort of runs through the whole text of ecclesiastes but i mean obviously it's more specifically outlined in chapter three
1: yeah i mean i think particularly in context of the whole bible it's not saying like sometimes like what is true is not true i think you're right on the point though when you're saying sometimes something is appropriate and not appropriate and Um, beneficial and not beneficial so i think this is like starting to teach us discernment which is to say what is beneficial in this time in the season like the time of my life the time and the circumstances and um you you know you got to adjudicate and uh, between competing values and opportunities and things like that um so i I think
0: the responsibility of, of of finding the truth on the person you know it 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 requires them it asks them to, to make those discernments which is um different i feel like than what most people think of religion which is something that hands down a set of codes to you which is i mean it's part that too but
1: yeah you know I, I really like what you just said there that it sort of puts the responsibility and onus on here because no matter what perspective you take whether it be the teacher which is like hey get while the getting's good but understand it's smoke anyways or of the author who says well you know you and, and taken into context, yes, Proverbs can work, but they're not guarantees, and we need to fear God and uh, obey him. I think it blows apart this myth of, like, religious fulfillment. Um, watching a few sermons on this, one jumped out in particular, which is, I think it was uh, John Mackey's Bible Project had pointed this out. It's like that we have this idea that if we act like Proverbs, right, like the, like the uh, woman I had kind of mentioned in the beginning of the story, then we have an entitlement to God's blessing and goodness, particularly in America. Right. And when our expectations are not met, whether it be an awesome marriage or um, moving up in social mobility and having a house with a pool with, you know, a three car garage or having our peers sort of fawn over us or whatever else, when those expectations are met or our kids freaking don't grow up to, you know what, um, be, you know, who they thought they would be or we thought they would be then we're like, wait a second, God, I've been doing it right. And it really, we really kind of, re- our hearts are, revealed. I've been following the Proverbs. Yeah, I've been following <laughs> the Proverbs, not perfectly, but who is and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden we realize that we have been like engaging in this pseudo transactional relationship with God. I'll follow you if there's these things, not I'll follow you because you are my God. I love you and I trust you. And I have hope in your judgment after death I think what the teacher is doing in Ecclesiastes really well is he uses time and death to basically say yo if you uh, seek to put your hopes and accomplishments put your name on things whether you're a billionaire or you become president um, or you you know save the, the the earth time will march on that mountain will still be here the oceans will rise and then they will you know fall ice ages will come and go Time will outlast you and your accomplishments. In fact, one of the verses that really jumped out at me, man, that was probably an, like a starting point for the confession of idols I had in our a, a discussion or two ago that we had was, um, you know, in chapter two, I think it's verse 11. Something like when I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be smoke in a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. And for me, I've got to go like, you know, climbing the rungs of a corporate ladder or getting, or, or, or you know, racking up subconsciously people's approval of what I'm doing Dude, to smoke. And so if at any part I'm working extra hard for that or for a bonus check to make me feel good or whatever,
0: dude, it's smoke. And, uh, Which is something I think we like, not necessarily know intuitively, but as we gain experience through life, like realize, but the reinforcement, like it's being reinforced from the other side, the whole that whole time, where even though your own experience is telling you, these things don't bring me satisfaction, these things don't bring me the happiness or joy that I feel like I, I want in my life. But at the same time, as you're thinking that everything else in the culture is telling you these things will bring you happiness and joy from every advertisement you see to every TV show you see to just the things your friends and family talk about because these things are so reinforcing in the culture.
1: Yeah, I think we got to. Sorry, uh, I speak loud and I wake up the baby. I think um, (laughs) (laughs) there are three things we have to consider are pulling us or pushing us. However, Our own flesh, scripture says that our flesh, like our nature, bodily nature desires things. It will crave uh, wealth. It will seek pride. It will look to um, envy others who don't. I think even in this book, right, um, the author says something or not the author, the teacher says something like, you know, everything is vanity. Everything, all creation of humans is because like we've had envy and vanity over another right? So it's either your flesh or it's the impulses of the world, your friends and family, the people you see on TV and social media or the we see, or it's, I think, legitimately spiritual evil, like a spirit of of vanity or a spirit of wealthful lust. One or a combination of those three things, your flesh, the world and spirits, dude, will take us away. And if we don't, like stop and pound on heaven to help us break through one of those three things, then we will end up in Sheol where everything will have been smoke and meaningless at at best. Right. And I think like, that's something that, that, that there's a hope in this book though, that like that comes out at the very end, which is, You've said a couple times, Cyrus, and this is kind of where I like to hear you speak. That uh, that if you don't, if people don't think they're going to have their comeuppance, they you know for from hoarding wealth or for not treating their brothers and sisters with love, then they've got another thing coming. Like, well, I think there's this universal concept of justice in the human heart, which is a pretty advanced thing. I don't think that's like an evolved thing, right? That's like been a, over every culture in world history. It's just maybe taken some different forms, and this author of ecclesiastes not necessarily the character of the teacher at the very end says i gotta flip to it says but beyond these my son be warned there is no end to the making of books and uh many study where he's the body when all has been heard the conclusion of the matter is fear god and keep his commands because this is for all humanity for god will bring every act to judgment including everything hidden whether evil or good so like that's our hope Now, we have, I believe, a new hope in Jesus that we can have that access like today. But I think, you know, conceptually, the hope is it's after death and every act. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: that's a a big thread that runs through the whole thing. Sorry to interrupt you. I don't know if you're. No, please. No. And cut in. No, but yeah, I was just uh, that that thread does seem to run through a lot of it, that this idea that. Even if you do all the things that are asked of you, you know, by even even if you follow the commandments and fear God, like you still may not get that like that joy and satisfaction in this life.
1: Yeah, you could be wise, accumulate everything and do it all. You could even have it all work out for you and then pass it down to someone who's not that and then go, oh, all of this will have like all the reputation will have been brought will be even worse than I left it.
0: Well, and that's that's the really interesting thing about about this, too, is because it's not just he's not just talking about, um, you know, that, that that just hoarding wealth is bad or just accumulating. Well, I mean, it's he sort of talks about wisdom as well as being something that's, you know, shouldn't be accumulated necessarily or for the sake of accumulation at the very least. Uh, which I thought was really interesting because that's definitely like an idol in our society to, to borrow a phrase. Um, and I think that that ties back to one thing he he talks about in chapter four uh, towards the end um, where he says, I think it's, yeah, it's... Uh, it's also
1: at the end of chapter five, if it's where I think you're going.
0: Like, yeah, okay. So let's, let's it's uh, a chapter, chapter four, um, Uh, verse four we'll just start there because i think it's all pretty good and he says and i saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another this too is meaningless a chasing after the wind fools fold their hands and ruin themselves which by the way is when he says fools fold their hands is that what he's, he's talking about prayer uh no i believe it's just like feet up hands folded oh okay i got you Uh, "'Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. "'Better one handful with tranquility "'than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. "'Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. "'There was a man all alone. "'He had neither son nor brother. "'There was no end to his toil, "'yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. "'For whom am I toiling?' he asked. "'And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? "'This too is meaningless, A a miserable business.' Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So in that passage, what sticks out to me is he's juxtaposing like, if you seek this accumulation you know, that is at the expense of building relationships with other people. And there is nothing more valuable, really, in this life. I think it, it is part part, at least that's part of the equation, uh, is these human relationships, you know, is is interesting. I see what you're saying. So I, I, let me come alongside that.
1: Um, I thought you were going to say something else. And here's I'll, I'll read a, a selection out of chapter five. That okay. largely agrees, but it might add some. Sure. Five eighteen. Here is what I have seen to be good. It is appropriate to eat, drink, and experience good in all the labor one does under the sun during the few days of life God has given him, because that is his reward. God has also given riches and wealth to every man, and has he has enjoyed and he <clears throat> excuse me, and he has allowed him to enjoy them, take res- his reward, and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God for he does not often consider the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. So I find that whether it be relationship, wealth, labor, it is a gift of God to enjoy it. And that's probably one of the most personal takeaways I have is, man, I've been on this paternity leave. I got this baby in my arms and I get turned up about dumb stuff. Like I like, I'll get maybe, you know, frustrated that I got in the wrong line at Costco with a cart full of freaking groceries. Yeah. Right. And, um, and it's a gift of God to, to enjoy my life. And so all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I can't even enjoy my life on my, on my own. Right. And at least that's, that, I think that's my confession. And it has been causing me to go, wait a second, life is too short. And dear, like I'm begging God, I'm like I'm pounding on heaven more often and and God help me, so I'm not trying to tempt the devil here and saying I've gotten it figured out. Is help me enjoy this life, because every all my hopes and expectations of me working hard, of me you know believing in you, of me doing the right thing and of helping people might not work out to like my goals. And yeah. and 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 if it doesn't, just help me enjoy now, and help me you know fear you and honor you, obey you now, and help me enjoy that. And dude, that I think is like what we can pull through after listening to all the, you're going to do great in Proverbs and the cynic in Ecclesiastes.
0: Yeah. You know, this, this kind of makes me think of another conversation we've had in those, those heady days of, of, uh, you know, early college for me. Oh boy. Um, But you probably remember me and I'm almost a little embarrassed to admit this, but I feel like a lot of, you know, young men get into this, but, um, gosh, what's the name of the movie? Into the, Into the Wild, the one where? uh Oh yeah, yeah, I read that book. I one of the few books I read in high school. Yeah, the one oh. by yeah by Christopher McCandless. <laughs> um, uh, and you know, it's 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 kind of cheesy in a lot of ways. I think now, I mean, it's a good book and a, and a good movie. Oh, great book, good ideas. Yeah, don't yeah. Um, I, and I I don't want to knock it too much. I think it gets some criticism because people think the guy who you know, the guy who did it and died was kind of dumb. no man. I, I freaking
1: love his passion and intensity at the very least like you know guys going all in in fact a lot of people are much find it more satisfying to sit on the sides and mock than go in on anything so homie went all in you went all very in on the true. he went all in he on literally all, went
0: all in yeah
1: <laughs> you know but hey so i at least in, yeah. am, admire the effort
0: i do I, I do and at the time i definitely did um and i, I was probably calling you and talking to you about it hey, have you seen this like this is really good this is interesting you know i was fired up about it because i was trapped in you know sort of a in uh the stone prison in a lot of ways but um you know the last thing he did before he died or, or one of the last things that uh, you would think um is he wrote on the top of the bus he was you know slowly dying in an alaska uh happiness is only real when shared um and that, I guess that is the sort of conclusion to his story of, of, you know, this rugged individualism trying to seek out experiences as much as possible for himself, literally accumulate experience, like life experience and, and, and adventure and that sort of thing. And it ultimately like took his life um, and his, you know, sort of final realization was this idea that, man, it's a lot easier to enjoy these things when you have someone to enjoy them with. Um, and so that was kind of just one of my takeaways or something that was, you know, sort of brewing in my mind as I was, uh, reading a lot of, a lot of this.
1: I appreciate that. And, um, I think there's a lot of good wisdom there. Um, you know, but we've got to, so, and
0: I don't even know if I fully agree with that. Well, no, here's, yeah.
1: Just, just going off of that is well, and if we, rely on people, and I know you believe this, to to help make our happiness or to help share our happiness, they could, you know, a wife, a brother, a friend, a parent, a child, then that will be hevel. It will be smoke and vapor. They will burn you. They will not want the same thing. They will might not want to share happiness with you. And I think that is yeah borderline and so so we got to be very like the careful responsibility
0: right? still on the individual you know like it, it's still like on you can't offload that to someone else to provide happiness for you well, I, I
1: i think that there's something there right and one of my life verses because it brought me from the brink of totally abandoning abandoning my faith at one point where i was critically examining it which was jesus saying before he gets like this is um you know, in his sweat and blood scene here in the sense of like, he, right before or after, yeah. this is eternal life to know God, the one, the one true God and the one he sent Jesus Christ. And I think in that sense that sojourner was right, that like happiness of your own or even happiness with others, it's fleeting. It's smoke. Happiness with God is real. In the sense of, or it is, it, it will be long lasting. You can, we can have hope that it will transcend time. Yeah. And so that's, I think, the only like there, and it's very abstract, but it becomes very personal quickly. I have to believe in a God, not just because of my experiences with him, but that he is outside of time. And therefore, connections with him are meaningful because everything within time. I will smoke. be destroyed it's smoke it's smoke yeah
0: yeah no i i i don't I'm, i don't even disagree with you on a lot of that i think i i just think that we sort of our representations of that thing that is outside of time and space are different and it, you know that's something we can dig into as we continue to to do this podcast and and talk about like why is that why do we think that's different um and maybe that could just be a function of it's translated easier to us the divine is translated easier to us that way um and like I said before, I think of previous podcasts, I don't even think, and I know that Christians don't necessarily believe this, but I don't think it matters as long as you're taking the same lessons. And, you know, there was some, one other thing in here. Um, I just wanted to, Oh yeah. You know, it's this, it's this part, and this might be a good spot to sort of wrap, wind things down a little bit, but I, I was trying to look for things in, in this, uh, in this book that I feel like are true in other completely other perspectives. Uh, and this verse chapter three was something I think is found in the Greeks, which didn't have any, uh, re- you know, relation to Christianity had never encountered it really. Uh, I think it's true in the existentialists, which were strictly anti-religion, uh, among, and, and even true, I think, uh, among, uh, you know, it is not necessarily related to it, but definitely is something I think that I, I believe uh, in a general sense and informs my my political ideology. But it's uh, chap. It's at the end of chapter three or not the end of chapter three, but at the end of that, like really popular verse of chapter three, or it's like a time to be a time to love a time to hate all that good stuff. But what it finishes with is he says, what is work? What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him you know it's just like that almost makes me uh, tear up a little bit just because i i you know i think it's it really gets to cuts right to the core of, of a lot of the human experience you know he has also set eternity in the human heart like yeah what, what does that mean to you? that that statement to me is I'm to me that means like it implies a lot of things uh one it implies the desire for humans to have some sort of immortality whether it be uh on you know through a legacy yeah. or uh through heaven or some other alternative to a that desire to live on yeah i think it's also a desire to know eternity um you know like as a human you looking out into the past and the present and the future it's very staggering to think of the tiny sliver of of that that your life takes up and you know it just i guess what what i think of Set eternity in the human heart. I think of this idea that like we're I don't know, it's just hard, a little hard to put into words, but I guess what I mean is it like sparks our imagination in a sense, you know, it encourages us to to seek out as much as we can, which I think is sort of interesting that it's juxtaposed with a lot of the rest he talks about. But it's like it's almost like he's like, man, God gave us this like not a defect, but a something we have to get past in a lot of ways.
1: Would you, would you say it could be also called something like a hunger?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. A hunger to know the truth about eternity, about the universe, about our existence. And, and then right after that, he says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He's not necessarily saying like, don't think about it or like just, you know dismiss it but he's just saying yeah you can think about it but you're probably never gonna really know you're never gonna really fully know what the deal is um which is something i i think is true um and then he goes on to say which i think is sort of like a transition it's like so i know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil this is the gift of God. And that is present in Epicurus, you know, and, and, uh, and the, uh, you know, Platonic philosophers as well. That's present in, you know, uh, Camus and, and Sartre and uh, Sartre. I I don't want to get the uh, philosophy nerds mad at me by mispronouncing his name, but, um, but, and it's, you know, uh, present here. And I just think it's, it's sort of a universal that I wanted to hone in on. There's a lot of questions I have for you there. I know we've got to
1: roll the church in five or 10 minutes. Um, so that's some that work. Yeah. Maybe let me settle on one or two more questions then for you because you, you were rifting there really, really hot. Is it possible that that hunger, that setting eternity in the hearts of man is a desire to, to know God? Literally, what Jesus says is eternal life. And especially yeah is, is, is that possible especially given our personable nature our relationship nature um you know even what you just said about the labors you know having those relationships it, like if there is a god that's big enough to create it all if there's a god big enough to be outside of time is it then possible and almost to me like kind of starting to be likely that that eternity in the heart of man
0: is also a desire for a relationship to be known i I think it definitely is And, and the question in my mind then is well is that a curse that it's just like an unfortunate misstep of human evolution that we developed a level of consciousness that curses us with these questions that like plague us day in and day out and force us to search for this meaning which i think is probably a little bit more of the like existentialist view of it or is it like a legitimate like yeah, you have this hunger because there is something out there. Sometimes you have a hunger that can't be satiated by anything. You know, there's a there's a well, thirst uh, that's uh, unquenchable. I, I, I think that's, I that's think you've got question.
1: a good a, a good point there. It's to me anything in between eventually falls apart after accusation and attack. It's either all meaningless and all occasion, or it is all not. Everything is purposeful. Everything is um, relational. It's it's basically God is either so big that he is outside of time with eternity between every millisecond and knows every single person's thought at every moment or he's not at all.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really, that's an interesting point. We will definitely wrap up here because I know we both have to get places, but I would just say that that is something that I think is a challenge to both Christians and non-Christians because I think a lot of Christians think of God as like, yeah, he's omnipotent and omniscient and all that good stuff. But like, they don't really believe that, you know, they don't really believe that he sets everything in motion. um, If that's what you, what you believe. And I, I think, I think that's a lot of the reason I stopped being a Christian in a lot of ways is because one, that was hard for me to comprehend. Um, and two, I, and and I didn't think it was like, I didn't think it was really possible. Um, and two, I was like, the implications of that were too much for me to, I didn't believe enough for me to pursue the implications of that, which were, well, then you have to take up your cross and follow him. He's the master of the universe. Like your life is then completely set by, by that and your, your dedication to that. Um, and I think yeah, you know that that's that's something that was a real you know ideological tipping point for me. Um, uh, but yeah. I think you're right. Well,
1: you know what, Cyrus? Like, it, it's Jesus said, and something I was you know kind of discussing with Samantha and things because she's struggling like understanding that there's a God out there that loves her as much as she loves Cato here, but even more. Like, it's really hard for her to fathom someone that like loves her that completely. And, Deeper
0: love than the love she has for. Yeah.
1: Um, and pretty deep. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you clearly have a passion to help people, to a, a, a significant intensity for fairness. You know, a lot of the things I think have led you to, you know, socialism and politics, that sort of thing. But like, is it possible that God's call on your life, particularly if you submit all those things to Him, is, hey, Cyrus, I want to give you back your passion that I've given you, but now you have like a righteous call from on high to do that. It's not just like you're wandering in it and doing it because you think it's the best make of meaningless, but you're doing it for the purpose that like of of the God of the creator. And I think if you like, if you, if you at least entertain that possibility and then kind of entertain just as a sidestep, the science of all of it, either matter came matter and light And particles came from nothing or it came from something. And I just think it's more logical, the most base assumption to to believe that it all came from something where that God came from. I don't know. Right. He always was. So he says he, he created time. I just think that like, if you, if you, if you cite on that, it came from something and then oh, I have this 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 very personal because the eternity in the heart of man isn't just I want to know truth. I want to be known. You know what I mean? And yeah, so- no, I,
0: I definitely like I, I don't preclude that possibility at all. Um, I guess what I would say is I don't think I'll ever be like logic into it because right. the logic tells me that, OK, these questions that we're talking about are so vast and so hard to comprehend what's the most comprehensible way to to make sense of them, which is that, oh, there's like a creator who did all this, like an architect um, who's outside of time and space. And and in both cases, you're saying matter was, you know, it basically didn't obey the laws of physics. It was created uh, out of nothing. And I I concede that like science does not have all the answers to those questions at all. Uh, I guess what I would say is, I think I I take as evidence that it's not the way most religions take it because that seems to be the easiest answer. Um, The most, the most, and that doesn't mean it's wrong. I just think that it's, I I agree with you. We can,
1: we can can keep skepticism as uh, as like our bedfellow going forward, but like, it's kind of one of those things. Like if my heart is a lock and it desperately wants to be known, it desperately doesn't want to be lonely. It desperately wants to have meaning and significance and uh, a belief that it's going to, um, going to matter, and there's an answer that answers all of it, then maybe that's, um, we got to really consider that answer that answers everything. With all that to say, I know we're going to f- be flipping back and forth between some good uh, Marxism and some good, and the Gospels. Um, I'm starting to get text messages that she's in the car so i better get dressed so yes uh,
0: okay you guys have a great day at church um, i have to go to work myself but um i'll let you have the last word on that and i uh thanks for uh making me read this i i enjoyed it and I right on dude out. i appreciate you you rapping with me and then bring in some more conversations another. in the, in the mix i love born, you love you too man have a good day but principles are eternal and this has been a contest over a principle. In this contest, mother has been arrayed against mother, father against son. It is for these that we speak. We do not come as aggressors.
1: Our war is not a war of conquest. We are fighting in defense of our homes, our families, and posterity.
0: This has been Cross of Gold. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank Sant Invictus for producing our intro and outro songs and uh, look forward to seeing you next time.